Well, good morning, Greenwich, and welcome to the Thursday, March 9th edition of the Basement Academy. Let's get going with our morning psalm. This is for the director of music to the tune of The Death of the Sun. Interesting. What a, what a tune name. This is a psalm of David. I will praise you, O Lord, with all my heart. I will tell of all your wonders. I will be glad and rejoice in you. I will sing praise to your name, O Most High. My enemies turn back. They stumble and perish before you. For you have upheld my right and my cause. You have sat on your throne judging righteously. You have rebuked the nations and destroyed the wicked. You have blotted out their name forever and ever. Endless ruin has overtaken the enemy. You have uprooted their cities. Even the memory of them has perished. The Lord reigns forever. He has established his throne for judgment. He will judge the world in righteousness. He will govern the peoples with justice. The Lord is a refuge for the oppressed, a stronghold in times of trouble. Those who know your name will trust in you. For you, Lord, have never forsaken those who seek you. Sing praises to the Lord enthroned in Zion. Proclaim among the nations what he has done. For he who avenges blood remembers. He does not ignore the cry of the afflicted. O oh Lord, see how my enemies persecute me. Have mercy and lift me up from the gates of death, that I may declare your praises in the gates of the daughter of Zion and there rejoice in your salvation. The nations have fallen into the pit they have dug. Their feet are caught in the net they have hidden. The Lord is known by his justice. The wicked are ensnared by the work of their hands. The wicked return to the grave, all the nations that forget God. But the needy will not always be forgotten, nor the hope of the afflicted ever perish. Arise, O Lord, let not man triumph. Let the nations be judged in your presence. Strike them with terror, O Lord. Let the nations know they are but men. Mm. A bit of a longer psalm. The reality of the nations, in this context, the Gentiles that have set themselves against God's people, Israel. <clears throat> God has established his throne for judgment. We've been talking on Sunday mornings about grace and judgment, how they work together. And not all of us are comfortable with the notion of God judging, even though we ourselves exercise judgment all the time. And I don't just mean discernment, but we judge others. We judge people who don't agree with us in the wrong. <laughs> we judge God unfair for judging the world. And so there's ironies that, that again, brought on by our sin, you know, we're blinded to um, those realities. So we live in a moral universe and God is our supreme and righteous judge and thankfully forgiving. Okay, two questions. We're going to just move away from the survey. We've done that for a few days. Two questions about two psalms. Again, I don't know who brings these forward, but I'm, my guess is these are folks who are going through the uh, the psalm reading plan. Okay, and so first, um, having just read Psalm 122 this morning, which should have been some days ago, 
does the prayer still apply today when it asks that we pray for the peace of Jerusalem? And then secondarily, are the Jews still God's chosen people? If not, why not? Okay, so assuming you maybe haven't, don't have Psalm 122 just you know, on the tip of your tongue, in part, Psalm 122 says this, pray for the peace of Jerusalem. May those who love you be secure. May there be peace within your walls and security within your citadels. For the sake of my brothers and friends, I will say, peace be within you. For the sake of the house of the Lord our God, I will seek your prosperity. So, set in the context of ancient Israel, making the pilgrimage up to Jerusalem for temple worship, right? This is the place God chose. <clears throat> and so, the, in, in, is it appropriate? Uh, how does the question ask it? Does the prayer still apply uh, when it asks to pray for the peace of Jerusalem, it is never wrong to pray for the peace of Jerusalem. It's never wrong to pray for peace anywhere, in Ukraine, in Washington, D.C., and Capitol Hill, uh, at Greenwich Presbyterian Church, and the little churn we've got going on now at our church, or in Noakesville, or in Warrington, or in Bristow, or Haymarket, or Bealton, or wherever you live and work and play. It's never wrong to pray for peace at family gatherings, right? Blessed are the peacemakers, uh, Jesus said, and peacemakers have the habit of praying for peace. So first answer, uh, keep praying. Secondly, it's to acknowledge that Jerusalem was the site of the temple. Um, God ordained it to be so. That's the place where um, Abraham offered his son Isaac. It's uh, the place where um, uh, David had a prayer, um, the, the, the threshing floor, the, the, the field of Aruna, or the threshing floor of Aruna. And then, of course, it's also the place where the temple is built and ultimately where Jesus is sacrificed, Jerusalem. So um, the, the temple is central to the uh, the covenant people of Israel, right? The, the temple is central. Their, their, their uh, worship, the sacrifices, um, they, they go up to Jerusalem three times a year. And so what the psalmist doesn't understand is that God is intending for there to be a new Jerusalem and to be a living temple built by living stones built upon the cornerstone of Jesus Christ, Messiah. And so... The Old Testament temple is now sits in ruins still, right? Um, there's a Muslim uh, mosque that sits there, the Dome of the Rock, okay? You have the Western Wall. The temple has been destroyed. Um, and so when I pray Psalm 122, I do think about physical Jerusalem and, and praying there be peace, but I, I, I extend it, peace amongst the peoples who call Abraham, you know, the Jews, Christians, and Muslims all trace back to, to Abraham. But I think of the new Jerusalem, uh, the new temple, the church. And this is back to that visible, invisible uh, church thing, right? Um, the, the temple is where God's spirit is, right? God's presence was manifested in the temple, in the Holy of Holies. And so I take this as a an opportunity to pray for the church. 
that there be peace in the new Jerusalem, that there be peace uh, amongst Christians, both locally at Greenwich, more broadly in our denominational differences. May there be unity and peace within the, uh, the, the people, among the people of God. Um, so keep praying for the peace of Jerusalem and pray it in light of exercising your praying imagination, the physical space, obviously pray for peace in, in, in the Middle East. But it's to understand that now there is a new Jerusalem, the church, and to pray for the peace of, of God's people. So that's the uh, first answer. Second, are the Jews still God's chosen people? Well, yes, in that they were chosen for a task. So we studied in our essential tenets, election is for salvation and for service, and God chose the Jews to be in relationship with them, a redemptive, saving relationship. So Abraham believed God. It was credit to him as righteousness. Abraham has a family. Miraculously, God grants um, children uh, to, to Abraham and Sarah in their old age. And then the story unfolds, as, as we know. But the Jews were chosen for a purpose, not just to be special, but for a task. And so they were resourced um, with, with the word of God, the commandments, with the sacrifices, with the priesthood, etc., etc., with the land. And so the privileges of God's chosen people were for the purposes of the responsibility that they had, which was to bring forth Christ, to be a light to the Gentiles. That has happened in Jesus Christ. And so the Gentiles are now included among the chosen people. So are the Jews still the chosen people? Well, yes, historically, but so are Gentile believers. If you are non, uh, you're, you're not an ethnic Jew. I am not, and I suspect many of you are not. You are among the chosen people of God also through Jesus Christ. Well, that's confusing. Are they the chosen? Are the Jews the chosen or not? Well, this is what Paul is wrestling with in Romans chapters nine, ten, and eleven. It's not as if God's word has failed, but the Jews did their task. That that is, a community was preserved by God's grace that brought forth Messiah. The Jews were supposed to believe in Messiah, and many sadly have rejected or continued to stand in opposition to Jesus as Messiah, and so. Uh, they're not exclusively chosen, I could say it that way, theologically. Um, and so there's some tension here, and, and there are differing um, convictions, belief, uh, uh, beliefs and opinions around the nature of the colon, uh, chosenness of the Jews today. Well, they are chosen to believe in Messiah, to not only bring forth Messiah unto the world and be a light to the rest of the world and the nations, but they are called to follow that same Messiah. And right now, the Jews are not. And so Paul says that the gifts and call are not revocable. And so God still has a plan and a purpose. And so he is, I believe there will be a turning of Israel unto Messiah, Jesus, Messiah. It seems not to have happened in the greatest of numbers yet. And so the church is mostly a Gentile church. Um, but I think we are wise to consider our, our Jewish friends our cousins. I don't believe they're sisters and brothers in Christ in the same way that our fellow Christian believers are. But I believe these are friends who have access to the truth. They have the 
certainly the Old Testament scriptures, and the New Testament completes that covenant and that, that call. So maybe not the most satisfying answer, but, but um, let, let me stop there and go to the next question, which kind of ties in. It has to do with Psalm 95. And I'm going to expect some of you uh, won't have Psalm 95 on the tip of your tongue also. So it starts out wonderfully. Come, let us sing for joy to the Lord. Let us shout aloud to the rock of our salvation. Let us come before him with thanksgiving and extol him with music and song. For the Lord is the great God, the great King above all gods. In his hand are the depths of the earth and the mountain peaks belong to him. Come, let us bow down and worship. We often use this as a call to worship at Greenwich. Come, let us bow down and worship. Let us kneel before the Lord, our maker, for he is our God. And we are the people of his pasture, the flock under his care. And then this. Today, if you hear his voice, do not harden your hearts as you did at Meribah, as you did that day at Massah in the desert, talking about in the wilderness wanderings with Moses and, and the Israelites where they hardened their hearts against what God was doing. Where your fathers tested and tried me, though they had seen what I did. For 40 years, I was angry with that generation. And I said, they are a people whose hearts go astray and they have not known my ways. So I declared on oath in my anger, they shall never enter my rest. Wow. What a psalm. It's, 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 come let us bow down and worship. The Lord is the great God, the maker of heaven and earth, the seas. And yet do not harden your hearts like they did back in the wilderness in the times with Moses. And this, this declaring they will not enter the rest is talking about the promised land. As we know, it was that generation died out. That, so those 40 years were to let those who refused to believe that God would lead them into the promised land. Remember that God sent the spies out, the 12 spies. Uh, Joshua and Caleb came back and said, let's go. Flowing with milk and honey. In fact, here's some of the produce of land. But yeah, there's some, there's some people there. We're going to have to drive them out, but God will be with us. But the 10 spies came back and said, we are like grasshoppers and they are like giants. And the people believed the 10. They refused to believe God. They hardened their hearts against the promise and the provision, even though they had seen what God did in parting the Red Sea and you know, destroying Pharaoh and his army. And so that's the context. Let us worship, but be careful lest we harden our hearts. If you hear his voice, respond to that voice, right? And so the question is, uh, when we read Psalm 95, we were struck with the warning nestled at the end that coincided with your message of grace and judgment. So this, I guess, was from Sunday, right? We have a two-part question. The rest that was spoken of for the nation of Israel was for the promised land, correct? It was talking about the promised land. Was it also his eternal rest that they would not enter? I'll talk to that in a second. The warning seems pretty clear for the present day. Is it a warning to unbelievers or for the sheep of the good shepherd? Thank you again for all you do. You're welcome. Okay, a couple things going on here. Um, the book of Hebrews picks this very topic up. So in, I won't read it all just for the sake of time, but in Hebrews chapter 3, this is New Testament, Hebrews chapter 3, beginning verse 7, it's the warning to the church against unbelief, and it calls back to Psalm 95, okay? And so quotes the, the passage extensively. 
Um, and then who were they who heard and rebelled? Were they not all those Moses led out of Egypt? And with whom was he angry for 40 years? Was it not those who sinned, whose bodies fell in the desert? And so the warning, the question is, is the warning for unbelievers? Yes, but it's unbelievers in the covenant community. It's not the warning for the, un, well, it's the warning for any person who thinks of themselves as a believer, participates in the covenant community, Israel, right? Or the church. And so, Psalm 95 captures in the context of ethnic Israel, reminding them of that tragic episode, our fellow Jews, fellow descendants of Abraham's family refused to believe God. They were not truly of Abraham's family because Abraham believed God's word and it was credited to him as righteousness. Abraham heard that word and then he left his father's home and in the Ur of the Chaldees, and he went to the land that God was going to show him. So Abraham believed and obeyed. The, his descendants, Abraham's descendants, heard the word of God. Let's go take the land. God has promised a land for you. They heard and they did not obey. They hardened their heart and they fell. Okay, So it's members of the covenant community who refused to believe. And so the, the, the warning issued again in Hebrews, calling back to Psalm 95, is... If you are part of that covenant community known as the church, it's kind of like Paul, 1 Corinthians 10 that we studied on Sunday. If you think you're standing firm, be careful lest you fall. The, temp the primary temptation isn't to eat too much chocolate cake and to drink too much beer. Those are temptations. And so pay attention. The deepest temptation is to refuse to believe God. That's the deepest temptation. It seduced Adam and Eve in the beginning, any tree of the garden but this one. They heard the word of God, they hardened their hearts, right? God in his grace covered them, symbolizing the forgiveness and the redemption of Adam and Eve, the substitute atonement. And so the challenge around Psalm 95 and the, and the Hebrews passage that, that recalls that, were those who fell in the desert ultimately did they enter the ultimate promised land? Because the land of promise, the physical land of promise is a foreshadowing of heaven. And so Hebrews chapter four goes on and says, therefore, since the promise of entering his rest still remains, let us be careful that none of you be found to have fallen short of it. And then he's talking about the land. He, he, he goes on. So Hebrews, Hebrews three and four, go, go read those. So the land is a, is a picture, it's a foreshadowing of the ultimate rest that we receive uh, in, in heaven, our eternal uh, redemption. And so um, the rest is referring beyond, okay? So trying to answer the question specifically, it is the promised land, but there's a, 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 a further rest. Is this a warning for unbelievers? It's, it's those within the covenant community who have enjoyed the blessings and benefits of God and the grace of God, so grace and judgment working together, to be in the covenant community is to have tasted of the grace of God. But the, the, the covenant community, be it Israel or be it the church, must press on. 
And so this is not about having perfect belief. No one will have perfect belief and perfect obedience. Not possible. Lord, I believe, help my unbelief. Remember um, the story uh, in the Gospels. It, this, it's, the Christian faith is never about perfect belief. It is about persevering belief. I will continue to believe. I will continue to obey. I will continue to yield and surrender my life and my heart uh, unto Jesus. I will continue to worship. I will continue to serve. I will continue to call on the name of the Lord uh, in prayers and in, in scripture. And, and so this is that teaching uh, that we touched on some, some weeks ago about the perseverance of the saints the saints of God, the true church, the invisible church will manifest itself visibly one day through its perseverance. Slow and steady wins the race. And so just later in the book of Hebrews that, that captures this Psalm 95 warning is where we get that having such a great cloud of witnesses, <laughs> let, us run with, let us run with perseverance the race set before us. And so there are those who've gone before that have demonstrated, they've, they've served as examples, persevering faith. Abraham did not, was not perfect by any means, right? He's passing off his wife as his sister and, you know, all kinds of stuff. Israel himself was a conniver. It's not about perfect faith, perfect obedience. It's about persevering faith, persevering obedience. That's the difference, okay? Um, at the end of our lives, just a pastoral word, many of us grow weary. I've, I've been with many over the years at Greenwich and elsewhere whose minds wander, just the disease process, the aging process. They forget some things. We, we may forget God in our weariness, in our tiredness. God will never forget us. And so, you know, dementia and other uh, ravages of, of, of time and aging and disease do uh, come upon us. But in our alert, awake, youthful days, when we have life and strength and, and mind and heart that are still sound and body that are sound, let us press on. Let us persevere. Let us continue to call uh, upon God through Jesus Christ let us continue to make every effort to obey. Uh, if you love me, you'll obey me, Jesus said. Um, but let us also rest assured that though we may forget God, God will never forget us. He has carved us in the palm of his hand, I uh, says in Isaiah. So ho hope these answers are helpful. Uh, both of them, I think, are calls to take the Old Testament and read them in the context of the New Testament. Hopefully, I've done that well enough to, to encourage your faith, hope, and love today. Okay, let's pray. And so, Father, thank you for your persevering and enduring love, even in our uh, aging weariness as we stumble and fall. Though we may forget you, uh, you will never forget us. Lord, guard us from hardened hearts as we pray for the peace of physical Jerusalem and the peace in the Middle East and the spread of the gospel in that land. And we pray for the new Jerusalem, uh, the, 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 the heavenly city, the, ho the holy city, the church. May there be peace at Greenwich. May there be peace 
beyond Greenwich in relationship with our sister churches, even at our presbytery and beyond, Lord. May your people be at peace and may your people press on to know you and to love you in all their lives. And so, Father, thank you. Hear our prayer as we make it this day. In the name of Jesus, who taught us to pray together, saying, Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come and thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. Amen. May God's peace be with you and may his peace be through you to all whom you love and know, even those you struggle with. (laughs) And may God's peace rest upon his church here and around the world now and forever. Amen.